Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's an honor to have you joining us today. A couple of quick announcements before we get into the message today. Super excited. Hopefully you got some sleep this morning. Welcome to Time Change Sunday. Got a little bit of extra sleep, feeling good, feeling fresh. I'm excited to announce that now our nights of worship and prayer are moving back to 4 p.m., to kind of adjust with the daylight and the weather and all that. And so I want you to join us tonight at 4 p.m. in person. And I'm excited to announce indoors as the weather shifts and uh, as some of the COVID regulations change and allow us to be indoors. And also, you're going to get one of these bad boys. This is uh, a new branded mask that says, love your neighbor first. Okay, so we're excited to give you one of these and you can wear it inside and everywhere else you go because you love your neighbor so well. And we're excited to gather with you. So I want to invite you personally to join us tonight at 4 p.m. for a night of worship and prayer together. It's going to be awesome. Now, we've been in a series called You're Not Far. And this is week five. I'm super pumped about it. And it's also the week of the election. And so you might not be pumped about that. I don't know where you're landing. But now more than ever, listen, this is so important. Now more than ever, our world needs decisive, compassionate leaders. And, w- and when I say leaders, I don't, don't disqualify yourself. Like maybe you, you're a leader in the marketplace. Maybe you're a leader in the home. Maybe you're a leader in your community. No matter where you are, you absolutely have influence. And in the middle of, of a lot of challenges in the world around us, our world needs right now decisive and compassionate leaders. And so listen, I, I believe in you. We're constantly bringing the best out of you in this community. And I wanted to just let you know, I was, I was having a conversation this week with uh, some friends who are new-ish to City Church. We're sitting down, having a conversation, just catching up with, with life. And one of the questions that I asked them is, hey guys, like, how, can, how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I empower you? How can Danielle and I come alongside you? How can the City Church community come alongside you? Like, like what do you need in this season is one of the questions that I asked. And they said, you know what, Drake, like right now, uh, um, community is really important to us. Like we definitely want to get involved in community. But probably the most important thing right now for us, the thing that we want to do the most is to serve others. And I was like, sweet. Like that's so easy. Perfect. Like I can, I can absolutely help you with that. And, and here's what I want you to know. For them, I, I told them, guys, there's a place for you at City Church. And listen, for you on the other side of this conversation, there's a place for you at City Church, not just to belong, but to invest and to make a difference and to be empowered. And hear me, it's not just about being empowered in the community of City Church. It's about the community of City Church coming around you and empowering you to live and love and serve in the world around you. And so I don't want you to miss the opportunity. We've been calling you up into more. No matter where you find yourself today, we are creating and building a culture of ownership, of, of servant leadership. And so listen, if you're hungry, for more. If you, if you don't know where to start, if you want to be more involved, if you want to serve and make a difference, I want to invite you personally today, right after our 4 p.m. night of worship and prayer, we are having our next growth track. You can sign up 
online right now. You can text in the word GROW to the number on the screen, and we would love to get you signed up this evening for our next growth track. It's a great way to take some next steps, discover your purpose, and be empowered to make a difference. Now, let's go back to our story. We've been walking through the book of Mark. This is uh, the story of Jesus, and it is uh, being told to us by Simon Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends, eyewitness, documented account. This is historical narrative, not like this fairy tale, but rather Simon Peter is sitting down with a guy named John Mark who is dictating all of it before he's about to lose his life for being a follower of Jesus. And so he has three years of eyewitness. I mean, he saw him, death, burial, resurrection, the whole thing, tons of life with Jesus. And so now he's just kind of telling it like it is. And so we, we, uh, we see this consistent message, this good news that, that uh, Peter would talk about, this good news about Jesus. And, and this is the, the message that Jesus, over and over again, like everywhere they traveled, he was sharing this message, and it was this, that this is the good news. The time has come, meaning, meaning the whole world has been waiting for this. The kingdom of God has come near because the king has come near. Repent and believe. That is to turn in G the direction of Jesus, to change the way that we Think, to believe and, and think the way that Jesus is inviting us to believe and think, to look at God in a different light, to look at others in a different light, to look at ourselves in a different light, to repent, to face and embrace a new reality and believe this good news. This has been the message over and over again that we've been looking at, that Jesus has been um, continually talking about. And last week we looked at a conversation where Jesus and some religious leaders got into uh, a little bit of a heated dialogue, and uh, basically Jesus called them all hypocrites and, and sent them packing, okay? And so his movement's going great. Everybody loves him. And so now uh, he and, and his uh, little group of guys and his followers, they head just north of where they were to a little area called Caesarea Philippi. And in that space, Jesus turns to his guys, his followers, Peter, James, John, a couple other guys, and he says, hey, what's the word on the street? Like, what's the word? He probably didn't do that. But, you know, what's the word on the street about me? Like, who, who do people say that I am? And, you know, they say, oh, you know, some people think that you're like a really good prophet or maybe you're John the Baptist. Like, you know, people are trying to guess at who you are. And then P Jesus pauses and he says, okay, like, but who do you say that I am? And before Jesus can even finish the sentence, like Peter just blurts it out. You, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And, and this is so important, guys. Don't miss it. Because in this moment, Jesus doesn't say, oh, man, that's, that's super nice of you but like, you know, you're not, like, like, no thanks, right? No, no, no. Jesus receives that title. And he looks at Peter and he says, you're right. This is huge. That is a huge statement for Jesus to say, hey, I'm God in a bod. This is me, son of God, in the flesh, here for humanity. And, and this is a huge, huge moment. Um, and, and then Jesus responds and he says, on that reality, on the reality that I am God in the flesh, that I've come to give my life for all of humanity, on this truth that I will die and rise again to save and set free, to give people new life and a relationship with God, on that reality, I will build my church. Or the Greek is, is the word ekklesia, my gathering, my movement. And then right after that, Jesus begins to teach them that the Son of Man, that's, that's uh, uh, an Old Testament messianic term that he's using to refer to himself. They would have understood exactly what Jesus is talking about, talking about being the Son of God. He, he says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and, and he's going to be killed. And after three days, he's going to rise again. And Jesus said this plainly. He's trying to help them understand. And, and immediately, they, they are kind of like just taken back, right? You're the Messiah, 
You're the new king. You can't, you can't be killed. And so then Peter pulls Jesus aside. Check this out. And he begins to rebuke him. He pulls Jesus aside and he's like, all right, Jesus, you've got to knock this off, right? Like, listen, you already like ran off all the religious leaders that were really going to help us get this movement going. And now you're talking about that. Like, you, you can't die. You're the king. And then Jesus turning and seeing his disciples who are right there, looks back at Peter and he rebukes Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. How'd you like that on your name tag when you showed up to a work party, right? Like that is a big moment. And then listen to what Jesus says. He says, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. He says, Peter, you don't get it. Like you want a king like all the other kings, but, I, but I'm not that kind of king. And this is not that kind of kingdom. So watch what happens next. Jesus calls the crowd to him with his disciples and, and, and gets them all together. And he says, hey, listen, if anyone wants to come after me, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. It's going gonna, it's gonna to start to cost you. It's not going to be as fun as it, as it has been, guys. You're going to have to say no to yourself a little bit. You're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. And for, for us, the cross is, you know, uh, we, we recognize, okay, it's symbolic and and, and you know, all, all the pieces connected to it, but like this is a real-time illustration for them, right? Like they've seen crucifixions. They've smelt crucifixions. It, it's possible that, that for them, they've had family members or relatives or people close to them that they watched being crucified. I mean, this is a huge, hard, kind of, kind of dark invitation into following Jesus. And, and then Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and for the Gospels, that is the good news that he's been talking about, that person will save it. This is so very important. Jesus looks at the crowd and says, hey, listen, if you want to keep following me, now it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to cost you something. And then he says, hey, if, if you're going to try to save your life, you're going to lose it. What he's saying is everyone dies, right? Like everyone dies. And if you only live for yourself, if you only spend your life living for yourself, you, you only have yourself at the end. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying to this crowd. And so Jesus' invitation, although it kind of seems dark on the front end, it's actually an incredible invitation to the people in front of him as well as to you and I, that we have the opportunity to turn and face and embrace a new king and a new kingdom and a new way to live and lose our lives with a purpose. And Peter and the guys, they have to look around and they have to make a decision. Are we going to just stay up here in Galilee and fish our lives away and become old men and die? Or are we going to take Jesus up on this offer to live our lives on purpose? And listen, you know this. You know this. Everyone ends up somewhere in life. It's the intentional people that end up somewhere on purpose. And so the invitation from Jesus is to live on purpose. And, and guys, listen, you got to ask the question, and this is what I'm asking of you today. Are, are we going to live our lives simply to preserve? Are we, are we going to continually say yes to fear and, and then just make our actions a bunch of reactions in this lifetime? And here's, the, here's what you need to know, and you probably already know this, but fear always, it always invites us to take the path of self-preservation. Every time fear creeps in, it invites us to take the path of self-preservation. And if you and I, here's the challenge, guys, and you know this, if you and I follow that path long enough, 
then we're, we're going to get to the end of our lives and we're, we're going to neither have preserved our life and we're also not going to have anything to show for it. Jesus is saying, don't waste your life. Don't live out of fear. Don't just try to preserve it and make it all about you. He says, you're invited to follow me. And you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And as you follow me, man, it's an incredible invitation. And so in this moment, Peter has to make a decision. And what we're going to see is that Peter makes the decision to say yes to Jesus, to follow Jesus. And guys, listen, it made his story worth telling. Right, that here we are 2,000 years later sitting down looking at the story of Peter because he made the decision to live a life on purpose, to connect his story to the greatest story that humanity has ever known. And that's the story of Jesus. And so let me challenge you with this. When COVID-19 is just a story that we tell, when the 2020 election is just the story that we tell. When 2020, maybe 2021, we'll see, right? But when 2020 is just a story that we tell. Guys, let's make sure that our stories, that your story is a story worth telling. And the invitation from Jesus is that every day, Every decision is an opportunity to live on purpose. But when we retreat to fear, we lose the opportunity to do something extraordinary, specifically in this season. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. Listen, as a church, we've been working the best that we can to provide you with opportunities and to inspire you to continue to be the church in the world around you and then to be the church together. We've done all kinds of cool stuff in this season just to serve people where they are. We, you know, drive-in movies and, and food drives and community nights and just writing checks to people who, who need help and helping out schools and businesses. I mean, I mean, we're doing everything we can to take advantage of it, and you're a huge part of that. But let's not let that be just the limit. That's just the bottom of the barrel. There's so much more. So that's why in the month of November, we're taking the opportunity to do this thing called Food for Families. It's a cam campaign that we're inviting you into where we, where we have, uh, our goal is to serve 100 families in need through the holiday season of Thanksgiving. And I'm inviting you right now just to give you a heads up. We're going to be start handing out tonight at Night of Worship. It'll be online and everywhere else that you look. But we have these little cards. And, and on the back, it has a QR code that you can scan and a, and a list of groceries of things that you can put together and bring together in order to serve a family with a Thanksgiving meal in need during this holiday season. And this is just a small way for you and I to make a difference in our city. And listen, if you know someone who's in need, or if you are someone who's in need around this holiday season, there's also going to be an opportunity for you to sign up or point them in the direction of the signups to be on the receiving end of this. What's amazing about this is this is not being done just within City Church. Uh, a bunch of other churches in Boulder are partnering alongside us uh, to do this, right? It's just 100 families currently within City Church, but man, so much more outside of the influence of all these other churches and other organizations that are partnering. So I want you to know, man, you're a part of a church that makes a difference. Thank you for being a part of a church that makes a difference. Now back to our story. Jesus is rolling. They, they take off. They're, they're, they're up north heading now down to Jerusalem. And Jesus, now at this point, is kind of in a hurry, okay? I want you to really catch that. Like, it's almost like he's, he's anxious to get to Jerusalem. And so uh, he was teaching his disciples as they take off. 
The Son of Man is going to be delivered. He already said this once. He's saying it again. He's going to be delivered in the hands of men. They're going to kill him. And when he's killed, after three days, he will rise. And then fast forward just a little bit now to Mark 10. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Geographically, by the way, right? They're heading uh, uh, north to south, but but then also there's a, a literal incline up to Jerusalem, okay? So when you see that, like it's north to south, but they're also going up. It's kind of confusing, but that's what's going on here. So they're going up to Jerusalem. Jesus is walking ahead of them, right? I mean, Peter's picking up. Like Jesus is like in a hurry, right? He, I mean, not, not in a bad hurry. He's in the right kind. Like he's anxious to get to Jerusalem. And he began to tell them <laughs> what was to happen to him again the third time. Look what happens. Jesus says, hey, we're going to go to Jerusalem, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will, now it's getting graphic, they're going to mock him, they will spit on him, they will flog him, and they will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And the right after this, check this out. You see this, uh, uh, two, two of his disciples, James and John, the brothers, uh, they, they came to Jesus and they said, hey, teacher, they kind of you know, run up to Jesus because he's ahead of the crowd. Hey, we want to we ask you to do something for us, uh, wh whatever we ask. And Jesus looks at them and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And then they replied, oh, man, you know, it really, it's, it's, it sounds awful, all that spitting and flogging and mocking and killing stuff. You know, that, that, that sounds just absolutely terrible. But, you know, after all that's done, um, would you let one of us sit at your right and the other sit at your left in your, in your glory? <laughs> Uh, um, they're asking for positions of prominence, and then watch what happens. Jesus said, hey, guys, you don't, you don't know what you're asking for. And then when the ten heard about it, they're back behind them, they became indignant. I mean, they're just so angry with James and John. Why? Because they got to Jesus first, right? Now they're mad. Now they're arguing who is the greatest among them all, and, and you know, the, the guys just asked for a seat of prominence that you know, Jesus right and left. And so then I think Jesus' forehead is really red right now because he's been just <laughs> over and over again. This is the third time they've had this conversation. So he calls them together. He says, boys, come here. You know, you know this. Those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, what do they do? They lord it over them. And their high officials, they exercise authority over them, right? You, you know this. And they're like, yeah. Jesus, that's why we want to be your second two guys, right? That's why we're asking. And then Jesus says four words that change everything. And these four words, friends, listen. These four words make you and I a leader worth following. This makes you a mom worth following, a dad worth following, a husband worth following, a wife worth following a teacher worth following, an employee worth following, a leader in your community worth following. These next four words make you and I someone worth following. Jesus says, but not so with you. Right, you know this. In the world, those with power, they leverage their power to gain more power and their self-promotion but not so with you. But instead, whoever wants to be great, hey, you want to be great? Awesome. You can be great in my kingdom, but here's what it takes. You're going to have to be a servant. You want to be first? Whoever wants to be first, yeah, okay, you can be first. 
Here's what it takes. You're going to have to be a slave. And this is, a, this is a moment, right, where I think maybe they, they're starting to formulate excuses and try to, you know, respond. So, well, but Jesus, what? But, but, but this and that. But then before they can even respond, Jesus says this. For even the Son of Man, talking about himself, I didn't come to be served. I could have, but I didn't. But I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom. For many. It's like the wind got knocked out of him. You could hear a pin drop. Jesus looks around. He didn't have to say it out loud, but everybody's thinking, well, we're definitely not greater than Jesus. <laughs> and so I think, you know, it kind of looks around. Any, any questions? All right, let's roll. So, the, so they roll out. And, and, and this not-so-with-you kind of leadership that Jesus invites them into, they, they don't get it. This new king and this new kingdom and this new way of leading and loving... And so then they roll into the town of Jericho. Uh, we're still in Mark 10. And, and here's what happens. Uh, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roads begging. And when he heard that Jesus was in town, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Listen, I'm, this is not part of my message, but there's something to be learned from old Barty here, right? Like, Everybody's trying to shut him down, and he is absolutely doing whatever it takes to get to Jesus. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Faith is simply uh, believing that he can and hopeful that he will, right? And so in this moment, Barty's not letting anybody get in the way of him and Jesus. Listen, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. I don't know what roadblocks have been in the way, but if you got this fear of what people will think, and you got all these different things that are keeping you from getting to Jesus, man, just lean in because, man, for Barty, he's like, it's absolutely worth it. Just plow right through. Get to Jesus. And watch what happens. Jesus stopped. And I think Peter's heart stopped, okay? He, he's, his, his jaw just hits the floor. Why? Because Jesus has been so anxious and in a hurry to get to Jerusalem, and all of a sudden he, he just stops in the middle of a town for a blind dude? And this is so important. Why? Because in this moment, Jesus is about to demonstrate the very principle of not-so-with-you leadership that he just talked about to his disciples. He's about to help us understand, here's what the kingdom looks like. I told you about it, now I'm going to demonstrate it. And listen, there's, there's something to be taken here. Jesus is a busy dude. He is on his way to the most important moment of his life, probably the most important meeting in all of humanity, and he stops. And it's worth noting that sometimes following Jesus requires stopping. And guys, I want you to know that this is so heavy for me because, to be honest, I'm the king of busy. It's so much easier to be busy than to be present, to be busy than to be compassionate. And watch what happens. He says, hey, call, call him over here. And as, as Bartimaeus makes his way to Jesus, he says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Dude, I think he looks over his shoulder back at the disciples <laughs> because he just asked this question, right? The other two guys came up and, and said, hey, we want you to you know, make us your, your secondhand rulers and he looks at Barty and says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? Watch this, right? And, and Jesus, right? Everybody knows. What do you think he wants? He's a blind dude. Of course, right? He and he says, I just want to see. 
Guys, this is so good. Don't miss it. If James and John would have been asking this question, they would have already been where Jesus wanted them to be. I ask this question all the time. God, help me to see what you see. This is a question that we all need to ask. God, help me to see what you see. Help me to see myself like you see me. Help me to see my family like you see me. Help me to see our church, our city, our neighbors like you see. You say, why is this important? Guys, don't miss it. Because when I can see as God sees, I am more inclined to do as he says. God, help me to see what you see. And then Jesus says, your faith has made you well. He's, it's healed you. And he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. We're going to pick our story up back next week, but let me just uh, invite you into a few uh, uh, last-minute conversations. So let's talk about that not-so-with-you kind of leadership. And I'm going to invite Daniel to come up, and as he comes up, I want you to reflect on this for a minute. What is that not-so-with-you leadership? Like, What would it look like for you and me to be a not-so-with-you kind of leader? What would it look like if we were to leverage our power and our resources for the benefit of those with less power and fewer resources? What would it look like for you and I to embrace this not-so-with-you paradigm in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces? Right, and this is just another invitation into the paradigm that Jesus has already been teaching us to love your neighbor. One of the questions that I get asked often as a leader and as a pastor, people ask me all the time, hey, what, what can I do to help? What, what can I do to help? And it's a great question. And I love it when people ask because they want to get involved and they want to be helpful. But one of the things that I'm learning from Jesus is that I need to flip the question on its head and look at the other person and say, no, 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 what can I do to help you? What can I do to serve you? How can I loan you my strength? How can I, I lean in and put some weight behind your need? And guys, listen, when you and I do this, when we embrace this not-so-with-you kind of leadership, and we choose to serve, and we choose to love, and we choose to give, and we choose to sacrifice, we're not and here's how I know it. Because Jesus said that the Son of, of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. Guys, the greatest demonstration. You say, man, why is this so helpful? Why is this so inspiring? Because Jesus demonstrated it first. He leveraged his strength on my behalf. He leveraged his, his weight behind. He, he leveraged his influence he sacrificed on my behalf to make me right with God, to represent me to God, and to make me whole and me new. And he does the same thing for you. Why would I want to lead out of sacrifice? Why wouldn't I want to be about self-preservation? Because once I encounter the love of God and the sacrifice of God and the leadership that we see in the life of Jesus, it makes me hungry produce the same thing in my life for others. To meet people where they are and to help them find their way to God. Let me give you a few questions that we're going to close with as we end our time. Number one, I just want you to think about it. Where do you need to replace 
self-preservation or, or fear with purpose? What have you been missing that God's trying to put in front of you? How would you live on purpose today and this week? Where do you need to ask? God, I want to see what you see. I want to see like God sees. Is it a relationship? Is it a situation? Is it a political sphere of influence? Is it, is it as you spend time with God in the Bible? Where is it for you? Is it with your spouse? Is it with your kids? Is it with a relative, coworker, neighbor? Maybe it's yourself. And lastly, what's one way? Don't miss it. What's one way you can demonstrate not so with you leadership this week? Whether it's in your home, where you work, or in your different expressions of community. Listen, guys, it's an honor to take the time to look at the life of Jesus with you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, can I just say, before there's an expectation of, of living and loving and serving a certain way, the invitation is always first to receive the incredible, sacrificial love of God on your behalf. That Jesus came to give his life in your place and in my place to save us and set us free, to make us right with God, to make us whole, to make us new, and to empower us to live lives on purpose. So if you're ready to take a next step with Jesus today, you can text in the word on the screen, and we would love to walk through that with you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.